Welcome to Late Night Talks with Amy Jo, a place where you're going to find inspiration, wisdom, and healing. A podcast for men. Hello, welcome to another episode of Late Night Talks with Amy Jo. <laughs> Hey, happy holidays to you if you're out there celebrating. If you're not, that's okay. Happy new week to you. I know this is a very overwhelming, stressful time of year for so many people and a lonely one for a lot of other people as well. So I just want to send out a ton of love and light to all of you during this time and just remember to be in the present moment and remember what this is truly all about. So yes, I'm so happy to be here. It's been a little bit because I know last time I just did a hypnosis. So it feels good to just be present here with you. I had such a good weekend. I feel so good. I had my son's birthday. He just turned 18. So it's a bit of an emotional time for me as a mom. It's just been the three of us for so long, me and my kids. So it's kind of hard for me to know that he has to fly out of the nest, you know, but (laughs) this is all part of life and I'm excited for him and I'm super proud of him. I mean, he still didn't graduate. He still has a couple months left, but yeah, it's it's just I didn't expect to feel the way that I feel during this time because it's kind of all a transforming time for all of us, I suppose. You know, he's going to be going off to college and then it's just going to be me and my daughter and then soon she'll be off to college and then, you know, it's just, I guess it's exciting at the same time, but it's it's a bittersweet. It's bittersweet. If you have kids and you haven't experienced it yet, you will and you'll understand what I mean. And maybe you're out there and you've already experienced this and you might know exactly what I mean. So life is good. It's beautiful. And I love every second on this planet that I have. And I hope that you do too. Let's do a quick check-in before tonight's discussion. So if you can, let's put our attention on the heart. If you can close your eyes, if that's possible, place the palm of your hands on your chest. Just take a few brief seconds be silent and pay attention to the noises that are surrounding you at this time. Take that awareness and apply it within. What are you feeling? What are your thoughts? What are you thinking about? What are you experiencing at this time? Just be still. 
be present with them. Witness them. Be okay with them. Now take a deep belly breath in through the nose. And as you inhale, as we always say, we're going to bring in positivity, abundance, love and compassion, and allow that to circulate throughout your mind and body. And as you blow out, push away all the dense, heavy energy out of your body and allow it to be released. There you go. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I am fascinated by behavior and the mind. I find it extremely intriguing. And most of you should know the movie Fifty Shades of Grey. And I know a lot of people play these roles behind closed doors. And in this movie, Christian Grey plays a dominant and a sadist. Today, I want to focus on the dark side of a true sadist personality disorder. The sadist's mind is addicted to the temporary supply of gratification that it receives to alleviate its own emotional pain by causing that pain to others. And within that film, I suppose Christian Grey and Annabelle kind of formed a sadomasochistic dynamic in the end. Now, a masochist is defined more of, you know, wanting that pain, the sexual enjoyment of pain. This is when someone gains pleasure from being hurt, abused, or dominated. A part of Annabelle began to enjoy this dynamic once she put up boundaries and once she was able to use safe words. But apparently a true sadist doesn't give their victims or their partners, whatever you want to call them, that option. An interesting film, another one called A Dangerous Mind. This is based on a true story. It's a story of Jung, Freud, and a patient called Sabina Spielrein, who was diagnosed with a bit of sexual masochistic hysteria, and she had a very troubling upbringing. This is why I find it very interesting that, you know, some of our trauma and childhood experiences can lead to this type of behavior. So let's get into this. So what is sadism? Again, it's a term that refers to the act of obtaining pleasure and fulfillment, not necessarily sexual, through the infliction of suffering on others. And although sadism as a sexual practice has been mentioned in literature for centuries, it wasn't until the 19th century that sadism was recognized as a medical condition. It's actually now classified as a paraphilia in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So the term sadist is often used to refer someone who's been diagnosed with sexual sadism, which is considered the psychosexual disorder. 
The term sadistic abuse is proposed to designate extreme adverse experiences. This includes physical abuse, acts of torture, over-control, terrorizing someone, induction into violence, ritual involvements, and malevolent emotional abuse. There are different forms of sadism, which I had no idea, but apparently Theodore Million an American psychologist who is known for his work on personality disorders, has identified four subtypes of sadism. The first one is spineless sadism. They exhibit more of the avoidant personality types. The characteristics may include deeply insecure. They're more the coward types. They're afraid of danger. They pretend to be courageous, but they are non-violent and non-mean-spirited, usually. The next one is tyrannical sadism. These exhibit more paranoid or negativistic personalities. These types are very antisocial. They're cruel. They're inhumane in nature. They're violent. They have unrestrained power and they dramatize their ill nature. Enforcing sadism is the next type. These are the type that exhibit more compulsive personalities. This might look like balances social and individual needs. They're unable to put limits to their vicious behaviors and patterns. They possess maybe the right to be merciless. And the main task is to control and punish. The last one is explosive sadism. This exhibits more of the borderline personalities. These types explode and resort to physical violence after reaching the limit. They use aggression to release the bottled up emotions and feelings of frustration and humiliation. They're hypersensitive to betrayal. And they're deeply frustrated to hopelessness prevailing in life. So sadists are uncommon, but they're not uncommon enough. Approximately 6% of undergraduate students report that they receive pleasure from inflicting harm on others. They could be an online troll or a school bully. These are good examples of the everyday sadists. They're more likely to be the griefer in the online role-playing games, which causes other players to lose pretty much interest in the game. Most of the individuals with full-blown sexual sadism are male. However, the sex ratio of people interested in BDSM is closer to a 2-1 male-to-female ratio. The sexual pleasure that arises from suffering pain is sometimes connected to masochism and many people react in either capacity like I had mentioned. From what I've come across, true sadists often seek out victims that do not include traits of being a masochist. The reason for this is because part of that sexual thrill comes from that person's refusal. So that's part of what gets them off, right? A partner or a victim not wanting to have that pain. 
And a sadist seeks to deny pleasure for anyone but themselves. From moderate pain in harmless love play to severe cruelty, sometimes resulting in significant damage or death. The amount and the intensity of sadistic violence varies greatly. And it's possible for a sadist to be satisfied by the victim's mental anguish rather than causing the genuine physical agony. When a sadist's aggressive impulses become more powerful than his sexual ones, he may engage in the more extreme acts of violence. Rape and murder are two examples of violent crimes in which sadism plays a role. Even outside of the bedroom, you know, individuals are intentionally cruel. These people love to harm people, animals. They enjoy humiliating and dominating others in social circumstances. They find joy in watching another suffer emotionally, mentally, physically, it doesn't matter. And new research suggests that this kind of everyday sadism is real and it's more common than we might think. And according to Psychology Today, Another psychologist, Laura K. Johnson from Western Ontario University, she investigated subclinical sadism and its association with pre-existing dark triad personalities. Recognizing the dark triad, if you've ever heard of this before, this is a cluster of three notable antisocial personality traits, narcissism, Machiavellianism and psychopathy. They admit that the studies have expanded this term to include subclinical sadism, although recognizing that some researchers suggest there's a significant overlap between psychopathy and sadism. They set out to examine the relationship of the dark traits. Regarding status as dark personalities, Johnson noted that narcissism psychopathy, Machiavellianism, and sadism display common features. They include the embodiment of an emotionally cold, callous, and dishonest character. But they distinguish the sadistic motivation for cruelty and aggression, noting that while all four traits are linked with aggression, People who are high in sadistic tendencies engage in violent behavior for sheer enjoyment, while psychopaths employ violence instrumentally or when they're provoked. Narcissists may become aggressive when reacting to ego threats, and Machiavellianists may only resort to aggression when it will result in significant benefit to them. The kind of personality traits sadists find appealing are more often than not, they're drawn to individuals who are willing to be easily dominated, right? They easily submit to their demands. If someone begins to take their power back and they begin to assert themselves, the sadist will really start to feel put off by that and they're likely to start looking elsewhere. The sadistic 
pleasure appears to be the key mechanism underlying the sadist aggression. And it suggests that the joy of inflicting this harm on others is what motivates and reinforces the sadistic tendencies. What causes one to become sadistic? Is it hereditary? Generally, they have a desire for power and control. Some reasons may include poverty, maybe injustice, could be domestic or child abuse, personal failures. The majority of ideas agree on the fact that an individual's upbringing has a significant influence on his or her tendency towards sadism, and this usually sets in around adolescence. Despite the fact that biological and environmental factors are known to play a role in the development of this behavioral problem, there's little information available concerning hereditary patterns and genetic origins of this condition. Let's have a look at some of the signs that may indicate sadism. Again, someone who gets pleasure from hurting or humiliating others. Sadists feel others' pain more than normal, and they really enjoy it. At least they do until it's over. And when the act is over with, they begin to start feeling bad. They enjoy seeing people hurt. They enjoy inflicting pain on others. They manipulate for fun. They cause emotional pain purposely. They cherish the idea of others in pain. There's a lot of aggression and cruelty. They may have a tendency to lose their temper violently. They think it's all right to cause others pain. They even fantasize about hurting other people. They may ask their partners to submit various forms of sexual acts, such as bondage, gagging, slapping, hair pulling, or choking. Can people with this type of personality truly love? Well, let's take a bigger look. I mean, they're attracting, they're rejecting, they're arousing, they're disappointing, they're loving that they're causing you pain at that time. And this is all a means to gain power, right? And this is what they need to give them that thrill because they are incapable of truly loving or enjoying anything. Sadistic people showed higher levels of negative feelings after engaging in aggressive behavior. Is there treatment for these type of individuals? Yes, there is. In order to meet the diagnostic criteria for sexual sadism disorder, the sexually sadistic focus must have been present for at least six months, involved in recurrent and intense sexual arousal from physical or psychological suffering of another person, as manifested by fantasies, urges, or behaviors. Included the individual acting on these urges with a non-consenting person, and or the sexual urges or fantasies have caused clinically significant distress or impairment 
in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. It may take a very long time to treat something like sadistic personality disorder. It's just like any other dark triad personality types. It takes a very long time. Personality factors like beliefs, coping strategies, and behavior patterns that take years to establish and modify must be changed. These changes usually develop in a predictable order, requiring many therapy approaches. Also, stress reduction may immediately alleviate some symptoms of sadness and anxiety. Intense or aggressive behavior may be modified gradually over a few months. And these treatments delivered in um, certain settings may be very successful. Maybe participation in family therapy or self-help groups may also help a person modify these unfavorable social behaviors. While therapy varies per personality disorder, many broad concepts apply to everyone. So family members might engage in ways that either decrease or encourage a patient's unpleasant ideas or behaviors. Their careful engagement is frequently required to help the sufferer heal. There is also certainly medications out there that can be prescribed to you by a professional if they feel that that is something that would be needed to help the body recover from this disorder. So this is what I have for you tonight on this topic. I hope that you found it interesting. I so appreciate all of you who stick to the end of (laughs) these podcasts. It means so much to me. And for those of you that are celebrating the holidays, I do want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And I will see you before the new year. And I look so forward to it. Until we meet again, be well, stay healthy, and always give back. Take care of yourself. Sending tons of love. Take care.